Hello, everybody. It's Leslie Jane Seymour here, and I'm here to talk about Reinvent Yourself. I have a really interesting conversation today from somebody who not only reinvented himself, um, but is in the market to reinvent the way the world sees people 50 plus. He comes out of 25 years of working for the big advertising agency called Saatchi and Saatchi. And he was a big muckety-muck um, there until he ran into a heart attack that required five, four stents. I think he said four is the only, uh, as many as you're allowed to have. And he had a relook at his life, reevaluate, reevaluate his life and figure out how he could think about still doing what he loves to do, which is advertising and marketing, um, but at a different pace, a different level, and not work with the people that he didn't want to work with anymore, which causes a lot of stress. We all know that. We understand what that's all about. But what I really love is Vaughn Emsley and I met um, because he is on a mission with a new project called Flipside that he wants to change the way people are portrayed 50 plus in ads, in television, on air, online, into understanding that we have, you know, tons and tons and tons of money. It's a $8 trillion market just from the boomers alone. Sorry, 60 trillion of assets, which is 10 times the amount held by millennials and the most liquid amount. And why everybody is targeting only millennials and everything. He's got a couple of reasons why and why the old imagery has stuck around. I don't know if you've been through this, but I have, where people don't believe how old I am or they think that I should look much older and I haven't had any work done um, just because that's their old imagery of what somebody 50 plus looks like. Um, he wants to break all of that and he wants to also channel more money toward us and more products toward us and more things for living our best lives and our more enjoyable lives toward us. Anyway, he's really funny. He's really wonderful. And if you wait till the end, you'll see what he invites us to do, um, which is really going to be fun at the Ritz. Um, so listen to the end. And I also want to tell you um, that you can be part of helping to change the way that people see women and men 50 plus in this world. And I'll, I'll get to that at the closing. So here we go. Here is my great friend, Vaughn Emsley, who is going to talk about Flipside. So hello, Vaughn, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very, I'm very happy to be here. I'm so excited that we met um, through my friend, Janine. I'm really psyched. And I was so thrilled to hear what you're up to. So let's talk about Flipside first. What does, okay. the, name, what does the name mean and why did you create it? Well, that's a very interesting question because my partner and I went backwards and forwards on the name for some time. But Flipside is really, it's a number of things. One thing is it's a code word. Oh. So people from a certain generation, our generation, will know what flip side of a record is. Oh. It may not be the case. It may not be the case with millennials or even some uh, generation Xs, but we know what it means to say "see you on the flip side." 
And it's also about the flip side of life. In other words, our belief that when you go through your 50s, you go through a transition. We call it the second coming of age. And your life kind of flips around. Uh, And Mm. so we're saying here, um, uh, life on the flip side is different. We understand that. And it has some other uses also because we're encouraging clients to, and we'll talk about what our business is in a minute, but we're, Mm -hmm. we're encouraging clients to flip their view of what it's like to be over 50 and what the market is like. So it's basically, it's a turnaround word. Turnaround word. Okay. Interesting. And you have to know records too, because there are no records. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like what would you flip today? Right. But I I have to say, I was reading recently that uh, vinyl is growing again. Yes. Um, Very uh, hipster. Thanks. Very hipster. So um, we may actually, with this name, we may be reaching into the depths of Brooklyn in a way that we didn't realize. (laughs) I think you are. (laughs) So talk a little bit about how did you, you're intending, one of your reinventions is that you want to reinvent advertising to people 50 plus. And what I love yeah. is there's a, there's a quote that you said that billions of dollars are being spent on chasing consumers who frankly haven't got a pot to piss in, while those with right. real money are ignored. No wonder so many businesses are not reaching their targets. So here's the question, yeah. and, and you and I really connected on the fact that when I was running more, I had this exact problem. We had millions of readers and very few advertisers who understood that the market 50 plus was amazing. Why are these people who want to make money so stupid? Well, I wouldn't say they're stupid. I would say that uh, there's an two, there's an ingrained muscle memory on the one hand, and there's another obsession on the other hand. So the ingrained muscle memory is always to consider that the rising generation is more interesting than the previous generation, and and that has probably been the case since we were wearing furs and painting ourselves blue. So I think there's a deep-seated belief that people must, must be more interesting. And, and the second thing is, uh, marketing today is so driven by an obsession with technology that ideas which are not prima facie technological ideas are kind of put to one side. And so I think those are the two, uh, two major barriers. Um, and, and so they're not easy to overcome, but, mm-hmm. but with the right arguments, with the right businesses, uh, particularly those who are under pressure to grow and grow quickly, I think we can make the argument uh, because the, the data is, is overwhelming. And so what do they think? I mean, first of all, let's walk through some of the numbers that we both know. I, I call it the $1 trillion market everybody's ignoring. About well, actually, it's uh, $8 trillion. $8 trillion. Okay. Oh, so, yeah, sorry. So it was six, I had 19, $19 trillion at some point, but go ahead. All right. Well, it's, um, I tell you, here's, here's some numbers. Um, that um, boomers are sitting on uh, $60 trillion worth of assets which is 10 times the amount held by millennials. And importantly, a lot of those assets are liquid. So we're not talking about 90% of it being in the value of the house. A lot of that is liquid. 
And they represent, people over 50, slightly different age split, represent 80% of the, in, uh, 80% of the wealth and 70% of the income in the United States. So uh, about only 5 to 8%, depending on the source of marketing dollars are directed at them. So that's the opportunity, wow. which mm-hmm. is enormous. And um, it's, when I first looked at the numbers, I, I was staggered by this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and their spending, of course, is significant in almost every category. So they're big spenders on travel, leisure, entertainment, food and drink, um, pets, you name a category, um, they probably are the dominant spenders in it, and yet uh, marketers are ignoring them. And so we think that this we've kind of reached a tipping point uh, where it's going to be very hard to ignore them because so many businesses are struggling to grow consistently by focusing just on millennials. So they're so they're stalling out by focusing on millennials. Yeah, they're stalling out, and and you know a lot of publicly quoted companies where where shareholders are looking for growth aren't getting the growth that they need, and part of this, I I'm, I'm this is the case that we're making. Part of this is because they're focusing in the wrong area and in, in searching for that growth. It's almost as if your financial advisor was saying to you, let's take 90% of your money and invest it against 10% of the market, which, by the way, is uh, these shares are not paying any dividends and these businesses are not growing. And we'll put 10% of your money against the 90% of the market that is paying dividends and is mm. growing. You'd fire your financial advisor immediately. And, but marketing is locked in, in this reverse view of what, what, what the world is like. A little bit of that is because uh, so many people in marketing themselves are under 50. Are under 50. Uh, oh, okay. Are under, are under 50. Okay. And, uh, I think another part of it is that there are no people, or very few people in the agencies who are, who are sorry, uh, who are who, who are are over fifty. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so you've got um, a situation where people who are creating content, defining strategies, are themselves not in this target audience. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard for them to uh, understand what makes that audience uh, tick. And it's hard for them to accept that this group can be interesting, which mm-hmm. is why we've, we've labeled it the second coming of age. Mm-hmm. Because, and I'll talk a little bit more about what that is about um, yeah. shortly, but, but we want potential marketers to understand that this is not a group of people who are s- sitting at home watching daytime television that not that there's anything wrong with that, but but these are people who are active, inquiring, changing their lives, experimenting with new things, going through transitions, having a very very dramatic and interesting uh, existence, and and the, they have a story, and and the brands can be relevant to their story. Where does this old idea was it from my parents and your parents' generation that? people after 50 sit home and watch television all day and don't get off the recliner. Where the heck does this come from? It is so Uh, old fashioned and out of it. it, I don't know anybody who does that. 
it's deeply ingrained in the imagery we grew up with. I and mean, obviously, I grew up in the United Kingdom. You grew up here in the United States. But the same imagery. Same imagery. People, <laughs> the same imagery. And uh, AARP did um, a study recently of thousands of images that were in advertising. And what they found was that people over 50 were being shown either alone or at home or with a medical professional or not handling technology. Yes. So the imagery is continuing in uh, communication today. Uh, and there occasionally you see, it's, it's like a flash of light in the darkness, uh, a, a, a marketer who, who has much more contemporary um, imagery. There's a, there's a terrific commercial from Nike called The Iron Nun from a few years ago about an 86-year-old nun who does Iron Man challenges. Oh, wow. Occasionally oh, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Yes. There's some, some great advertising from Sun Life in Australia, which captures the spirit of people in their 50s. But it's very, very rare. And, and, and we're, we're on a mission to help change, change that because it's deeply ingrained. I mean, I mean it's, it's ingrained in a way that, that sexist attitudes have become, were, are ingrained by virtue of the images that people grew up with in the 1950s and the 1960s and the 1970s. If you go back and look at advertising from that period, you have to kind of take a double take every time you see an ad because the sexism is, sexism is so ingrained. Yes, and ageism, yes. ageism is very ingrained in everything that we see um, in, 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 in advertising today and in a lot of what we see in, in entertainment. There are, are occasional exceptions to, to that. Uh, the Lily Tomlin, Dick Jane Fonda series is a, uh -huh. a kind of exception to that. Um, but but we've got to get also beyond the cliche of old girls behaving badly, which is oh, basically God. what yes. thrown in right now, as opposed to someone who's sixty who, after a lifetime of being of doing one job, has suddenly decided to do something radically different with their lives. Uh, and so I, I think that that that's the battle, and that's what we're 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 trying to do. It's a steep mountain, but. It's about time, and and our major point to clients is follow the money. If if you follow the money and think in the right way, then you're going to benefit. And why wouldn't they just normally follow the money? This was the thing that I never understood it more. We would literally walk into the advertisers, show them the numbers. How could imagery? It's that well, I, powerful. Get in the way of money? I don't understand that. <laughs> Well, I think part of it is you have to be able to show people how they do it. Okay. So you be able have to be able to explain to people how, say, a hotel chain can appeal to people in their 50s and 60s as well as to people in their 20s and 30s. So yes. what, we're not, yes. what we're talking about necessarily is not, oh, you only talk to people over 50. There's a way of being intergenerational. If you talk to the right values and the right attitudes, there, there, there are things that people in their 20s want from a hotel and thing that people, things that people in their 50s want from a hotel. So you can bridge the generation gap. You need to be able to show people how that can be done, uh, or you need to show people how you can simply create a product or a service which is slightly different to your main offering that's very interesting to people who are 50 plus. 
But the important thing to understand is most marketers don't have a, a, a vendor, a service provider who knows how to do that. What? So, so, they, so they say, I understand the argument and I understand the media opportunity, but who's going to create this stuff and who's going to do the thinking for me? Up until recently, there were very few people they could go to to turn the theory into practice. So the other thing that's really irritating, Vaughn, and I'm sure that a lot of listeners understand this too, is this idea that the generations must be segregated. That, I mean, this has got to be so freaking old. I mean, I'm telling well, you, it is not happening anymore. My, and then this happened in the fashion world when I first took over more. I had a very important number one designer who was a good friend of mine say, this is the height of the Great Recession. And he said, I'd love to advertise in more, but I can't, even though those are the women, the women 40 plus are keeping my boutiques open. And he said, I right. can't do that because then the 20 year olds won't want to come into the stores if I advertise in the 40 year old. And they didn't, he, it was fundamentally wrong. My daughter and I share everything and I learn from her. She learns from me. My clothes go to her school. Yeah. They fundamentally don't get what's happening today. I, I think that one of the great tricks that marketers have created in order to make life more complicated is dividing us up into these generational brackets, ah. which I think are completely bogus. And I, I was reading yesterday about uh, a beef between Generation Z and yes. whatever is coming after them, who must still be in their cradle, surely. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> I thought, what a load, excuse my French, what a load. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you see, I believe that if we were to go back 100 years in time and to meet people in there who were in their 20s in 1919 and 1920, they would be much the same as people in their 20s today. They would be more aware of modern technologies like the telephone and the telegram and the burgeoning of air travel and their skirts would be shorter and they'd be wearing different types of clothes. But essentially, they'd be the same as 20-year-olds were are today. I think the generation gap today is less than it was yes. 100 years ago. Yes. Um, because we're, people are staying younger, they're yes. staying fitter, and they're not saying, you know, at 55, well, now where, where are my knitting patterns? And not that there's anything wrong with knitting, but people aren't going to sit down in a rocking chair and... and in, some, in front of the fire at 55, they've still got a hell of a lot of stuff they want to do. And, and so I think the gap between the generations is, is much less. And, and, you know, if I can talk about, you know, politics very briefly, it, 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 Bernie Sanders' biggest support is amongst young kids. Yes. And at the same time, uh, uh, boomer women were out organizing um, in New Jersey at the last congressional election to put Democrats over the top with common aims, common ambitions. I'm not saying, I'm not giving away any political beliefs there, I stress, but I'm just merely observing a fact. Mm -hmm. And so the commonality between the generations is, is, is great. And in fact, we need to find more points of commonality. And I, we, I suspect, we, we believe that it, when it comes to marketing, it's gonna be much easier for clients to move forward if they can, can find what connects the generations as opposed to what, what drives them apart. So you think it was just a, so we're going to blame this whole thing on marketers? <laughs> well, well, marketers, <laughs> advertising agents, managing consultants, uh -huh. management consultants, 
Well, let's but blame the management really, consultants. It must have been we'll business school kids. Okay. Yes. Yeah, well, they're still getting six times multiple, so we can blame them. The the but 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 people invent things uh, which get which are easy to write about, and and people get carried away. But I I think these these divisions are are oftentimes uh, very very misleading. Interesting, because I have to tell you that, you know, I watch a lot of cable news and I see the same old freaking ads over and over and over and over and over for arthritis. I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you really think this is the only thing I care about? And then I'll watch something new um, and I'll see new ads and I'm so grateful for not being dumped into this old person health market. That's all I care about. I mean, that in a car. It's like people well, I have got, a whole do a whole different life than that. Are you kidding? Yeah, I got um, a direct mail shot recently, and that was odd enough because rarely do you get direct mail these days. But right for a cemetery in Queens. Right? For a cemetery <laughs> in Queens. Oh my and god! I, well, first of all, I'm I'm not about to pop my clogs as far as I know, and. Um, I'm only 60 and but maybe they think you know if you start thinking about it now it's a good thing but but a I, I, I'm not going to be buried and b even I was going to be buried I'm not going to be buried in Queens right so I thought it was really bizarre and, and also then you get hit with with ads for hair replacement and erectile dysfunction oh every and, disease horrible disgusting diseases <laughs> you never thought about exactly and that's the difference between recognizing that people between 15 and 74 are independent, free-thinking, freewheeling, making their own decisions, and as opposed to dependent and losing the mobility and losing control over their lives, which is much more pressing a fact for people who are over, say, 75 or over yes. 80. Yes. Um, but in fact, a lot of people between 50 and 74 who've seen their parents go through that are actively looking for ways to delay that. Yes. Uh, that's why it's a huge boom. If I was in the wellness market, I wouldn't be talking about sickness. I'd be talking about wellness yes. and everything that, that healthy products and healthy lifestyle can help you to achieve because for the, for there is a, a slight tension. I mean, we, we talk about this, this group of people, like this, I'm a part of this group of people, as if, as if they didn't have a care in the world, obviously they do have cares and there are tensions in their existence. And, and one of the things is people at the back of the minds are saying, well, yes. how long do I have yes. to do all these things? And part of what people are thinking about is, well, look, can I push the, the day when it, it stops being possible back from mid-70s to mid-80s? Yes. So I've got 30 years yes. of this kind of lifestyle ahead of me instead of 15 or, or 20. Yes, and because we're living longer, we're healthier, we definitely look better than we ever did. The, here's another, another imagery thing that I ran into, um, which my listeners don't necessarily know about. Um, a couple of years ago, I was turning 60 and I wrote a, a piece that I posted on Facebook about how excited I was about turning 60 because frankly, a lot of people don't get to 60 and I've seen those people around me and it, I'm thrilled. I feel like everything is gravy after 60, but I remember holding my finger above the, the uh, keyboard and being afraid to push the button because I knew once I pushed that button and outed myself, because no one knew how old I was, that um, no one would hire me in corporate life again. And mm -hmm. I just knew that. And I wrote about that. I put it out there. It went everywhere. Different people picked it up. 
one younger, it went to like five different places and I had them, they liked the piece so much they reprinted it online. One younger group picked it up and said, can we have it? I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't look that carefully when they do it anyway. So they took it, they repurposed it, they put it out there and all my friends started writing me notes going, what happened to you? What happened to you? I'm like, what do you mean? They said, this piece you wrote, it, it, did you change your hair and cut your hair or whatever? I looked and somebody took my picture of myself out and put a picture of an older woman with white hair, very snappy looking, but decided, right. decided that a 60-year-old couldn't possibly look the way I do and wanted well, to put in a commoner identifier picture than me. And I asked well, them to well, go back and put my real picture in. And <laughs> Well, I think, you know, that a couple of points to that. One is that where advertising and marketing has gone is accepting images of women in their 70s or 80s who look very elegant and put together. Mm-hmm. Um, but but let but you don't see much of women in their fifties and sixties who look no. as if they're in their thirties, forties, and fifties, right? Um, because that's too destabilizing, it would appear, because it's not the cliche, and a lot of people like the cliche, and what we're fighting against here is a lot of cliches. Um, but I, like you, recently um, I have a piece that appeared in Newsweek in which I also ashes myself as being sixty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it, 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 it actually felt okay to do that because I don't look 60 no, you don't. myself. Um, and, and I was thinking, oh, well, you know, from a dating point of view, maybe this is not a good idea. Um, but it, from a professional point of view, I'd given up on corporate life five years ago anyway because mm-hmm. I didn't, didn't make it to 60. I had a health crisis in my mid-50s. I want to which, talk about that, yes. Right, which changed the way that I uh, I, I see life. Um, uh, but I do understand that it, the the battle we face is one of saying, look, 60 is not 85. Uh, in fact, 85 is not 85, but 60 is still young. And, and, and you know, people still feel, I mean, it's very easy for me, and I'm sure it's very easy for your listeners to remember what it was like to be 22, 23, 24, 25. And part of of being in your fifties and sixties is is being able to remember that I think more clearly, and connecting with it more actively than you were able to do when you were in corporate life and raising children and 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 being a good citizen. Oh, I just was somnolent through that whole. <laughs> I can't even remember. <laughs> I mean, I was so busy and so overwhelmed. I honestly can't even remember it. I just, it's a flash. It's a shame, but it's a flash. I can remember it by my kids and that's kind of it. So I want to go back and talk about your personal reinvention because you have a wonderful reinvention, not so wonderful in how it started, but you do have a great reinvention story that I think a lot of listeners can relate to. Can you talk about that? You sure 25 years at Saatchi and Saatchi in the advertising uh, business. Yeah, I had been working, uh, I think actually if I add up the numbers, it was, yes, it was 25 years. There was a little bit of a gap at one point in the middle, but it was 25 years in total. And I had was doing a lot of, uh, I was running uh, a large international account for Sashi and Sashi. I was doing a lot of traveling, um, very highly pressured, um, very stressful uh, kind of job. 
uh, and suddenly, out of a blue sky, I had a, a heart attack and, and a really, really serious one. Um, and I ended up having four stents uh, put in in a matter of two to three weeks. Um, they put in one immediately, and then I went back and they they did two or three. I think four is the maximum that you can have. Um, and I think, frankly, if, if it had happened 10 years or 15 years before, I don't know whether the technology was there that would have enabled me to survive. Ah. So I, okay. I essentially walked into, like walking down the street, like in a car, like in a movie, walking down the street and walking into a plate glass window, wow. which you haven't seen. You're not backwards and you're absolutely uh, stunned and you're not quite sure uh, what to do about this. And um, one of the things um, that I did feel very quickly was, well, I have no desire at all to go back to doing what I was doing before. Wow. And so I, this is what I call the second coming of age. To some extent, you regress to being a teenager. And I said, you know what? I don't want to deal with people I don't want to deal with. And I don't want to do things I don't want to do. Yes. Um, I want to talk to people I want to talk to. And I want right. to do things I want to do. And I don't care if my income drops by 50% or 60%. It's not worth dealing with all the BS anymore. And, and I think that was the first um, important step on, on, the, on, on the road to reinvention and realization is that money is no compensation for all the stress and strain of, of not being true to yourself. So I think that was a very, very important step. Now that doesn't mean I found the right path immediately. And one of the things I think that's important about any process of reinvention or evolution is taking your time over it. Um, I discussed this once with somebody and I said, you know, it's a little bit like when you go to the theater and a set is very, very gradually revealed. The lighting comes from different places and at first you don't know what you're looking at. Am I looking at a boat? Am I looking at a bed? Am I looking at a, looking at a port? Am I looking at someone's living room? And only at the end does it all become clear. And it, I, I would think it took me two to three years to really figure out what it was that I wanted to do and how it was that I wanted to do it and who it was that I wanted to work with. Uh, and so I think the other part of this evaluate reevaluation is taking your time over it. We tend to think perhaps because the movies tell us that there's an epiphany, that there's a blinding, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. blinding light and you say, aha, mm -hmm. I'm going to go off and join mother Teresa or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't work for me. And, and having talked to psychotherapists, it doesn't work that way for most people. Mm -hmm. it, it's a gradual thing when things begin to take place because you're letting go of a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Because I, I started working when I was 22. I, I you know, fell off the bus when I was 54, 54. So I've been working in this intense and advertising environment for over 30 years. And it's, you don't give up that feeling of, of, of commitment immediately, but it, it's, a, it's a gradual unraveling, but you, you need mm -hmm. to take your time. Mm -hmm. And you feel you're on your way though. Yes. And I think it was this, I, for me, it was a realize, this realization of, oh my God, I feel like I'm 17 or 18 again. Uh -huh. that, made me, that, that opened the, my eye to this whole different way of explaining what life in your 50s and 60s and 70s could be mm -hmm. like to mm -hmm. potential clients and potential marketers. Again. And then when we went out and talked to people, 
these were exactly the sort of stories that we were we were getting back mm-hmm. um, from people, which is you, you know suddenly I, I was so, uh, you know a lady who once had been a kayaker suddenly she discovered you know in her fifties after her kids left home she's taking up kayaking again, an actor a banker who suddenly decides after a lifetime of banking that he's going to become an actor, a very good friend of mine who I've known since I was six years old after. 30 or 40 years as a, a lawyer dealing with conveyancing and uh, divorces and property disputes, became a sex therapist. Mm, and wow. so the so same thing, you know, well, I'm going to do what's right for me, not what's right. So we live our life mm-hmm. doing what's right. Mm-hmm. And there comes a point of rebellion in your 50s, I think, mm-hmm. when you say, I'm doing what's right for me. Mm-hmm. And, and and the rest of you can go do whatever you want to do, but, but this is this is who I'm going to be. So let's talk a little bit about what are consumers, since this is all about reinvention. What can mm-hmm. what can the consumers who are listening to this and the reinvent yourself listeners do to help change the attitudes and opinions of marketers towards people fifty plus? What should they never do, and what should they do? I mean. I mean, obviously, putting your money down on things when you see it right. done right. But what else right. can they do? Well, I think you're absolutely right. Is they can show their appreciation of of brands and services that are conscious of their needs and marketing to them to them in a way that is both sensible and interesting. I think that's very important, and they can let those marketers know how much. They're appreciating that um, because we underestimate how important feedback from consumers is to marketers today. And is uh, that a letter uh, or an email or following them on Instagram? How should they actually letter, let them know? Letter, email, blog, Twitter, um, whatever, Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. whatever um, uh, uh, technique that you have. Um, uh, to do that. But I think, you know, one of the things I have wondered about is whether or not in the same way that there have been lobbies that have grown up to drive sexism out of advertising, uh, oh. to drive, to make, to make advertising more aware of, of minorities. So I'm wondering if we're getting to the point where people over 50 need to get together and form their own protest group to try, mm. to shame some businesses into mm. recognizing who they are, what they're worth. I know the AARP is trying to do some very um, laudable work here, uh, trying to um, bring companies around to a more positive understanding. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, you have to be a little more aggressive and mm-hmm. beat the drum louder and you have to upset a few people in order to get heard. And I wonder, I'm wondering if we're at the point where you know, maybe we're going to see marches of people in their 50s and 60s outside the buildings of major advertisers to say, where are we in your story? Ooh, interesting. So along that line, I wanted to tell everybody here that you and I had talked about our Covey curators, which some of the listeners are already part of. Um, And I will direct everybody after this to sign up for Covey Curators. But the whole idea is we're going to work a little bit with Flipside here and there to have Uh our our voices heard when it's the appropriate person that Vaughn needs to inform um, about 
products and ideas and directions and how they feel about things that are, you know, being invented or pitched at them, correct? That's absolutely right, because my feeling is the cover curators represent a leading edge of opinion. Um, uh, and and that's going to be very valuable, both from reacting to whatever product ideas and concepts we have today, but also predicting which way things can go in the future. Uh, so I think it's it's going to be very, very interesting for us to be able to say to clients, look, here's a point of view from this group of people, and they represent this demographic, and, and, and they're definitely leaders of opinion, um, and I think that's going to be extremely powerful to help people uh, wake up. And that is what we're doing on Reinvent Yourself. And we are all about waking up. <laughs> and I want to <laughs> thank you, Vaughn, for joining us. This has been awesome. And I want to tell you that yeah. I and my listeners are really excited about playing with Flipside. And now that we're going to have to create marches, oh my God, I hadn't thought about that, but maybe that's next. Well, marches and maybe sit-ins, I don't know. (laughs) We (laughs) We could do sit-ins. Yes, we'll do a sit-in at the Four Seasons. Oh, a sit-in at the Four Seasons. (laughs) Let's start with that. Okay. Vaughn has volunteered. The first sit is the first sit in is going to be at the at the Four Seasons, and all the Covey Clubbers will come from around the world to be there. So. Uh, I, and the drinks are on me. Oh, and the drinks are on as, him. As you heard as, it here. As, as, as long as it's mineral water. Oh, okay. No, but these ladies like to drink. You've got you've got the big drinkers right here. We got to get all those alcohol purveyors to realize that our sons don't have the money to buy all that stuff they advertise at them. We do. Exactly. So Vaughn, thank you so much for your time. And we are all going to stay tuned and uh, wait for that invite to the Four Seasons. Okay, great. Thank you so much for, for your time. And I have enjoyed this enormously. So thank you all for listening to Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Vaughn Emsley. Uh, It's really such a great mission, and I think it's such an important mission. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick of every television show I watch showing me just all these ads for horrible diseases and nothing else, as if my life is only about disease, which it is not. And so with that in mind, I hope that any of you um, who are interested, who want to hear, have your voice heard, who love to test things, who love to know about what's new and what's hot, will go to CoveyClub.com and sign up on the Covey Curator page. You can see it at the footer of the front page on the homepage. Scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll see a link to Covey Curators at the very, very bottom. Click on that, sign up and come be part of the voices that are gonna change how we are seen. And I hope that if you enjoyed this discussion with Vaughn that you will subscribe to Reinvent Yourself and I hope that you will share this broadcast with other people you like and know who need inspiration, help, ideas, and the tools to get their reinvention going. So thanks so much. I hope you'll also join cubbyclub.com. We have a really great app called Cubby Connect, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Thanks a lot. Until next time. Bye.